Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to another T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And today I've got a special guest, which I've been excited to get into the Hubcast room. It's Mark Minicello of Hull FC. So Mark, welcome. Thank you, Martin. Great to be here, mate. I'm looking forward to it. Cheers, mate. Bit nervous? Uh, a little bit, yeah, but uh, no, it's all right. If, uh, if we get a bit nervous, I'll just keep talking. <laughs> no, nah, nah, all good. I'm good. looking forward to this one. Well, thanks for coming, mate. I think uh, this, this sort of stemmed from... The fact that me and you have known each other a while since I did some work with Hull FC a yeah. few years back on the sort of mental skills stuff. Um, you was always an avid learner. I think you're always, you've got a thirst for knowledge. You've had a fantastic career. And for those who don't know who Mark is in terms of some of our clients, Hull FC are a professional rugby league team in the north of England. Um, Mark's an Australian, as you can tell by his accent. And after a, a career in the NRL in Australia, came over, was it four years ago, Mark? It's my fifth year now. Fifth year. Yeah. Came over four and a bit years ago um, from Australia, joined Hull FC. He's had a wonderful time here. Back-to-back Challenge Cup wins at Wembley stand out. Yeah, big time. And uh, I think it's fair to say you're probably coming towards the end. Uh, Decisions pending, but um, (laughs) coming towards the end potentially of your career. I think, what are you now, Mark? 37 now. 37. 38 in January, so... And, and what it's worth saying is not many rugby league players get to 37, 38. I think the average probably retirement age is early 30s. Would yeah, you say that's fair to say? 30, 32, probably most players are retired by then. I think the average uh, average NRL game would be 50 to 60 games. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm ticked over on 400 at the moment. So oh, Congrats, um, man. Yeah, so it's, it's a long career that um, has, has spanned both Australia and, and England. So I'm pretty proud of that. Are you going to return home once you finish? Once I finish up here, I'll be back to the sun for sure. I think, yeah. um, you know, we've been here five years and endured the cold long enough, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I am missing the sun a little bit. Um, the Gold Coast versus Hull. Yeah. You know, it's not really, no, it's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need that vitamin D, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, so Mark and I know each other from the work I've done at Hull FC and from his time here at Hull, but... Um, one of the things you've always been interested in, one of the things you've always, uh, you know, taken an active sort of uh, role in is, is your nutrition and your health, you know, what you put into your body and how you look after yourself. Uh, you're in impeccable shape for 37, mate. Uh, I'm also 37 and it, you put me to shame. But um, I think you've just strongly always believed in the fact that this gut-brain connection and, and the whole you are what you eat type you know, yeah. approach is is you've always believed in it, and I think is that one of the things you would say has contributed you to to you having a long career. Without doubt, I think um, you know what you put into your body is is first and foremost for me. I think um, yeah, that's where your body gets its nutrients, and it, that's where you you get a lot of your energy from. So, what you feed yourself is, is how you're going to perform at the end of the day. Um, you know, and I've always been a big believer that that, that food. Uh, how you feel your body is going to impact on your performance, uh, not only uh, mentally but physically. Yeah. Um, I think the the ability to to sustain that high performance um, comes with with eating the, the right diet. Um, you know, the recovery times, especially for athletes, if they're eating a poor diet compared to a, a, a nutrient 
rich, dense diet is miles apart. You know, I'm I'm 37 now, but I, I'd say I recover quicker than the 20 year olds. I yeah. Is, you know, just- so the science behind it, Mark, is what you're saying. It's not just what you read online or these different because uh, you you hear about all these diets. In the past, we've had the, the paleo diet, we've had the Atkins diet, yeah. we've had. Keto is very popular now, right? Keto is massive at the moment. So, so, but there is science behind it, and we're learning more and more now that actually, if you go back to our ancestors millions of years ago, and you look at, you never saw an an, an obese caveman, right? And and, and the reason why is because they say we used to eat things that either grew in the ground or lived. That, and that was pretty much plant meat based diet exactly was how right. we evolved, right? That's what it comes back to at the end of the day. Ancestrally, we ate what grew out of the ground and what was living on the land. There's no processed foods, you know, n- none of these uh, high sugar fructose diets, no, none of these processed vegetable uh, oils that uh, just run rancid within the body. Um, essentially, getting back to eating real food. You know, and and real food is what's grown on out of the ground in a tree, yeah, or what's running around wild in in nature. Not what's made in a factory, exactly right. You know? Not not these factory farm cows or yeah. or pigs. You know, the genetically modified foods these days is, is running rampant on your body. So let me ask you a question. You're 37. You've had a long career both in Australia and 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 in in England. Um, you probably could go on another few years as well, that's fair to say. However, have you always eaten like this and stuck to this, or is this a more recent thing? Well, I'm, 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 I'm Italian background, so yeah. my parents uh, are Italian. And so one thing that I've seen growing up my whole life is mum in the kitchen making things from scratch. You know, Italians, one thing they're very, very good at is cooking and the food <laughs> that they can bang out of the kitchen. Yeah. And, you know, from the earliest memory, I, I remember mum in the kitchen cooking for us yeah. and that's something that um, has stayed with me and even now my wife is, you know I'm fortunate enough to um, to have a beautiful wife who cooks everything from scratch as well so it's sort of followed on but essentially it, it starts in the kitchen and and um, my parents my mum but although we ate a lot of pasta um, which people would say glutinous is, is carbs glu- yeah. yeah carbs yeah. and gluten it's it's the devil it's you know it's not good but Mum used to make it from flour that hadn't been genetically modified, you know, where the wheat grain has now changed. If you go back only to the 50s compared to now, that wheat grain is completely changed. The DNA structure of the wheat grain has changed because they the the amount of pesticides, herbicides and glyphosate yeah. that they yeah. spray on industrialised farming is changing the way the, the DNA in the food. So, and that then changes the way it reacts with our body. Food yeah. is a signaling source to to the body. That's- well, yeah, f- food drives everything. So, coming back to sort of what we, you know, because it's a bit of fascinating background as to where the origins yes. of your of your sort of uh, your ways come about, and it stems from as a, as a child, obviously eating fresh and mother always cooking, etc. Um, I think about my own kids now, Mark. You know, I've got three kids, and do we sometimes feed them? Processed food, yeah, we do. Do we sometimes give them convenience sandwiches for the lunch? Yeah, we do. Am I conscious that you need to find the balance or start tipping that balance? Yeah, I am because, um, you know, it, it makes a real difference and, and the science is now coming around. I mean, we've got 
I'll, I'll link this into it. A lot of our listeners know that I suffer from Sjogren's syndrome, which is an autoimmune condition. Yeah. Um, and you can link that to inflammatory inflammation in the body. Now, inflammation in the body comes largely from the foods we eat yeah. primarily, right? Definitely. So I've gone gluten and dairy free since being diagnosed. It significantly reduces my symptoms. But I can't help but thinking, what if I went dairy and gluten-free 10 years ago? Would I even have it? Who knows? Yeah, I'd say you wouldn't. No way. I think the amount of... Mark's uh, just trashing the place. I'm Keep just, going, I'm Mark. just dropping the mic here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. There we go. We fixed up. Sorry about that. Keep going, man. Right. Yeah. The um, If you went gluten and dairy-free 10 years ago, I'll... In my opinion, you wouldn't have those those symptoms. Autoimmune disease starts in the gut. Yeah. Now, the reason why it's so rampant these days, in my opinion, is because everyone's gut flora, their microbiome, the bacteria in your gut is being decimated. One, by way too many antibiotics. Yeah. Right? The antibiotics just decimate the, the bacteria in your gut. Uh, the second reason I believe is is the amount of glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup. Now that's what they spray they spray on all the crops, the industrialized crops. You know, starting from before they seed, you know, they they kill off all the um, weeds in the in the soil. Then they spray again when they seed it, and they, so all this is in the food. So so they're doing it to to, to actually preserve the food growing, but what they don't appreciate is they're killing off or, or they're poisoning the food as well. They do, that, that's exactly right. So the way food gets their nutrients uh, is from the soil. Soil is a living, living organism. That's where fruits and vegetables derive their vitamin, minerals, vitamins, nutrients from. So if you kill the soil off by spraying all these pesticides and herbicides, glyphosate being the main one, um, it's, it's, the nutrients aren't getting from the soil into the plant, into the fruit or the vegetable. So therefore we're, we're left with nutrient deficient vegetables. Yeah. Um, Which is why this big craze now, Mark, is you've got to buy organic, buy from a farm, not yes, from your supermarket, exactly buy your right. meats and your vegetables yeah. from a farm. We're going back a step. Um, so we need to, so glyphosate is water soluble. That's the problem because once it's sprayed, it, it, it rains. It's in the air. It's 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 almost everywhere at the moment. Um, so, what glyphosate does to your gut, it it kills the bacteria. So the way uh, they get around glyphosate, saying it's not damaging to the human, is they say it only kills bacteria. But the problem is, you need some we, of the bacteria, right? We are more bacteria than we are human cells. There's a hundred hundred trillion. Bacteria within our, within our body, and majority of that's in the gut. You know, that's ten times more bacteria than we are human cells. Yeah. So to say that glyphosate doesn't harm the body or harm the human is wrong because everything's derived from the gut and the bacteria. Our hormones are made in the gut. You know, through the gut-brain access of the vagus nerve. Every, every hormone, not every hormone, but a lot of the hormones are produced in the gut, which then sends to your brain, and that's how it all goes. So if you are eating foods that are deficient in nutrients that have pesticides and herbicides on it that are killing gut bacteria, then all of a sudden 
you get something called leaky gut. Yeah. Now, if you've got leaky gut, which I believe a lot of people do these days, yeah. it is the lining of your gut opens up slightly and le- and undigested proteins can get through to the b- bloodstream. And that's when autoimmune starts. And autoimmune is just like a, it's like a tipping effect. You know, we, we absorb toxins from the environment and foods and, and just everyday life. There's toxins. You can't get away from it. But it's a tipping effect. You know, you're filling up the cup every day. Yes, the, the body can detoxify. But once those detoxification pathways are blocked, you can't detoxify mm. as well. Then all of a sudden your cup keeps filling. And then as soon as that cup tips, autoimmunity starts. And, and that can be and that something can be different. Like Sjogren's, it can be arthritis, it can be diabetes. Can be, there's hundreds of them. Hundreds yeah. and hundreds yeah. of them. And that's why you're seeing a, a rampant incline in autoimmunity in our young kids these days. So do you think, Mark, it's an epidemic? Do you, think, do you think 50 years from now, 40 years from now, our children as adults are going to live in a world where um, the impact of, of our diet and the impact of these manufactured foods like sugars and you know carbohydrates and pesticide-sprayed foods, it, it's going to lead to an epidemic of illness. Do you think that? Uh, yeah. Unless without, we unless we educate yeah. and we start changing. Without doubt, we need to. Now's the time to stand up and start to educate. And and can it be reversed, shift. Mark? Can it be reversed? Because uh, uh, how would you answer the argument of? And I know this first firsthand myself. Since having autoimmunity, I've gone on a, a meat and vegetable diet. Mm-hmm. If I have carbohydrates, I have potatoes and rice because they're non glutinous. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still have my treats, right? Yeah. I still drink a bottle of wine on a weekend or, yeah, you yeah. know, but, but in moderation, I've more or less cleaned it up, but it's bloody expensive. Now I can afford it, right? Yeah. How would you answer the question of the working class family on benefits or who, who have to buy five packs of ham down the supermarket yeah. and three loaves of bread just to feed the kids this week? Yeah. Well, that, that that's a massive issue, isn't it? Is that a societal that, thing? That, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, how can we change the mentality of society to, to get back to eating real food, you know. We've got to make it affordable and accessible, right? You have right? to make it affordable. And, and, you know, I'm a big believer that, yes, you need to buy organic, but for the average person, that is not sustainable long-term, is it? So we've got to just start taking steps, just start to eat real food. So just start to eat your fruit and vegetables. They might not be organic, but you're getting into that habit. Right, I'm with you. So this is the first question I wanted. Uh, as much as you, because you're you're all or nothing, right? You're yeah. so into this, yeah. and and you can see in your physique and in your career, and you know you're so into it. You go hundred yeah. percent, right? But for the average person listening out here, would you say that step one is to ditch the processed food, ditch the sugars, and just start eating vegetables and meats, even if it's supermarket vegetable and meats that have been sprayed? Yep. That is better than eating sugars, carbs, yep. sweets. What? One hundred percent. The the two things, the two main things that people should cut out of their diet: refined sugar and your your polyunsaturated fats. So, just explain what you mean yes. by that. So, examples. So your your vegetable oil. So your your rapeseed oil, your canola oils, your um, all those cooking oils that that have over the last say fifty years have come in to replace butter and and uh, olive oil they're the good olive oil and butter are the, are the good fats that you need but back in the 1960s 
there was a massive swing that saturated fats and animal fats causes heart disease. Yeah. So then they started bringing in these seed oils, your rapeseed oils, your canola oils, your sunflower oils. But these are chemically unstable. The processing that goes into getting the oil out of these seeds, it's highly refined. It's under enormous pressure, enormous heat, and the chemical structure changes. And it's not too different to it when you look at it to plastic. It's, it, it's only one molecule yeah, away. Yeah, and you imagine that inside your body you know, with your gut trying to exactly process right. so that. The mar margarine, you know, these things are toxic to your body because what happens at the cellular level is you, you need the fats to they, – they go into the cell to help the cell uh, make energy. But we're not used to these, these different types of fats that are chemically – unstable yeah so it, it's oxidation so so you would you would say um apart from go meat and vegetables of course um but change your vegetable oils and your rapeseed oils for your olive oils coconut oil yep coconut oil is right so the B butters but organic butter yeah. so the the best things to cook in in my opinion are without doubt olive oil olive oil is is number one for me dress all your salads with olive oil bit of salt olive oil uh some vinegar and you've got a perfect salad dressing there that will lift the salad. Olive oil you can cook with on a low to medium heat. Um, you don't want to get it to a smoking point because that's when it will change and go rancid. So the, the cooking point for olive oil I think is about 190 degrees. So you can still cook at a low to medium heat in the oven with olive oil dressing all your vegetables yeah. perfect um coconut oil is a, a good one we use coconut oil i mean yeah I, I find it quite it, it adds a little bit of taste sweetness taste to your to yeah. your vegetable yeah. mix as well it's yeah. a, so olive oil is a, a monounsaturated fat uh coconut oil is a saturated fat so those in the keto diet world would be using a lot of coconut oils and and butters because they're saturated fats um you know do I think ketosis long term's good? I don't. I think you got to be, you know, you got to cycle it. I think it it will definitely help uh, mental clarity and and definitely down regulate all your inflammation in the body. Um, but yeah, I think long term you you should cycle that. Um, so so outside, so another one for you outside of vegetables. I know you like to get carbohydrates from vegetables. Yes. Let's say outside of vegetables, if somebody wants something to fill their meal, mm -hmm. I talked about potatoes and rice rather than the glutinous pastas, breads, pastries. Yeah. What would you so go with? I'd go with a, a more like a sweet potato. Yeah. Um, potatoes are right. White rice is good um, if you need to fill fill a meal. But predominantly, all vegetables are carbohydrates at the end of the day. You know, your broccoli, your cauliflowers, uh, your long stem broccoli, your beans – you should be having large portions of vegetables. They should yeah. predominantly fill your plate. The <laughs> meat portion of your plate should only be a quarter of, of and your we, meal. And if you think about the Western world, yeah, it's completely it's, the opposite. It's completely we have opposite. a huge steak and a little pile of veg, yeah. if you're lucky, and it's completely the opposite, yeah. right? But I find that people don't really know how to cook vegetables, and that's a big issue. You know, they how to make vegetables tasty. It's simple. If you could just chop, say, some beets, uh, potatoes, sweet potatoes, um, some capsicums, and you chop them up and you just dress them in olive oil, soak them in olive oil, salt and pepper, maybe some paprika, give it a little bit of a, a lift and just throw that in the oven for 20 or 30 minutes and let that all crisp up. 
come bring it out and it, it's delicious. You know, yeah. what I mean? just simple little cooking tips that people people are so used to just boiling their vegetables. Yeah. They, they boil it so much and it's yeah. got no flavor and it takes all the nutrients out of it. But just simply t- cooking in a pan on on the stove with some butter or and dressing it with olive oil or if you want to use coconut oil you know what i mean just, just cook fresh just, just cook, cook fresh fresh food so um all right so moving it on a little bit in terms of uh, your experience i mean you've always had experience in professional sport which again nutrition and and, and physical abilities is at the forefront of everything you do most people work in an office or in a job or whatever <laughs> it might be or driving a car or you know um so, but it's still in, it's still important, isn't it? It's still important if you want to have focus and concentration and no brain fog or fatigue, and you're not relying on that piece of chocolate and mid afternoon yeah. coffee to pick you up. It, it transcends what you're saying. Transcends if you want to have, um, you know, stable energy, consistent energy, and be able to perform at your peak in anything you do. What you put into your body matters, and Definitely. and and I see in the workplace. Let me let me just throw a few in here, Mark, and yep. get your views on a few things. In the workplace, people rely heavily on caffeine. Yep. Uh, I, I love a coffee. I love caffeine. Everyone loves a coffee. Don't in, they? In, in, I have one in the morning, and if I do have a second one, it'll be sort of early afternoon after my lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try and restrict it to two, and I definitely yeah. don't have caffeine after four p.m. Yeah, because it, it affects my sleep. Yeah, some if some people are fast caffeine metabolizers other people are slow metabolizers so the fast metabolizer will will probably not be affected if they have a coffee after lunch but i would say don't have coffee after 2 p.m because yeah. coffee has a half-life yeah of six right. hours yeah so then you it is affecting your sleep whether yeah. you think it is or not it, it will affect if your sleep if you're having coffee at two three four yeah yeah three four or five, certainly five. if you're having it um into the early evening oh yeah definitely uh, i mean yeah. I, I know people who have coffee sort of still have a last coffee of the day at 7 p.m. I yeah. mean, it's crazy. It's madness. No, I grew up as an Italian. We always had coffee after Yeah, dessert. espresso no, after you dessert, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But lucky, I'm a, I'm a fast metabolizer of coffee. I've had my genes tested, so I know that. Yeah. But, yeah, coffee is a big one uh, to get that spike when people – but the reason people get those swings during the day is because – they're 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 on a sugar high sugar diet high carbohydrate sh- sugar diet. So your body's so. only t- learning to take energy from sugar. So that's when right. sugar is low, it craves it again. It. You so you have it. the so spikes. You need, you need that spike. That's why you get the up and downs when you you know you're having a chocolate bar or you know some sweets. You know you, you get that spike in energy, but then you get that massive drop off. And that yeah. that's ninety percent of the people these days that they're, they're in that that cycle. Yeah. That sugar cycle where if you can turn that into a use your fats as your fuel is what we talk about ketosis yeah um how the body can transition from using sugars into using fats and and making ketones which is 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 when your body will just have sustainable energy throughout the day without these drop-offs yeah yeah i'm i'm sort of not full keto um but i would say and here's 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 a question for you i'm probably 80 percent keto at the minute with a few treats on a weekend yeah. and the odd bag of crisps on an evening. Is that still working for me or do you have to be all or nothing? No, no, no. no you don't have It'll to still be working for me yeah, to an extent. Look, um, if you can eat well during the week um, and you, you're trying to stick to a ketogenic diet and, and reduce your calories, a, a true ketogenic diet is eating less than 20 carbs a day, so I don't think you're probably at that stage, but – yeah, you, you're doing a lot. You're doing a lot better, aren't you? Yeah. So you you, you really reduce. Well, your I So you're going to see the effects, and it's all right. 
everyone's human. It's about day. having a nice you, life as yeah. well, right? And so enjoying the things. If you if you eat well Monday to Friday, just don't go crazy on a weekend. You know, you can't get into that pattern where you you think you can treat yourself because you've done five days well. Yeah. And then you just go weekend, And you go on a two-day bender. You go, you, you go to <laughs> and you're on, yeah. the, on the drink all weekend and, and then think, oh, but I've been good. And it doesn't really work like that. But everyone's human. You've got to let your hair down. You've got to enjoy a weekend. Yeah. So as much as possible, if you can eat well, then your body's going to respond and react better to when you do have those bad exactly you know, right. days. So, so caffeine's okay in moderation, and different people have different uh, toler- tolerances to caffeine. You have to just hold the bottom mark so it doesn't right. do it. Um, and, and, we'll, and we've got a few minutes left, so I want to ask you a key question. Um, carbs, you're saying it's okay, but in again, in moderation, and make sure you don't eat the uh, the starchy carbs. Yeah, so more more your ve- vegetable carbs. You try and get your carbs from through, through your veg. Right, and yeah. if you're going to do anything, try and have white rice or maybe sweet potato yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Um, alcohol in moderation. You know, we haven't got enough time to probably no. talk about alcohol alcohol on this uh, in this podcast. So, okay, three tips for eating on the go, Matt. Now uh, we've got we've got five minutes left. Yeah. Um, most people are professionals. They're working in an environment. You know. What would your they're busy conveniences? You know they're on the service yeah. stations on the road or they're in the canteen at the workplace. What are your three tips for uh, trying to eat more? Even if you're not 100 percent strict, eat yeah. healthier, which will serve you well mm-hmm. whilst you're a busy professional. Yeah, this this is a big uh, nothing preparation. Preparation is absolutely key when it comes to wanting to eat healthy and and stay healthy. It's it's hard these days to to eat when you're in the office and you know there's a, the corner shop down the road. But if you just prioritise an hour or two on a Sunday, maybe don't watch as much TV, but just prep um, some food for the week. So uh, what I do is we cook more food each night, so then I can take that leftovers with me for lunch. Now, I'm sure everyone has a microwave at work. Not that I like microwaves. I, would, I wouldn't use a microwave. But, <laughs> but if it's the last resort. But if it's the last resort, it's still better than going down and buying a uh, hamburger or That's or a great tip. Lou, Lou, my wife does that, Mark. She, she'll cook if we cook a chili or if we cook something fresh or we've had sea bass the night before or, or whatever it might be. Cook a bit extra, put it in a nice little pot, fri- yeah. refrigerate it overnight, take it out of the fridge, and you've got your lunch. Exactly you've got right. you've got good food, yeah. and that's that that's no extra time no, because you're cooking your meal on the evening anyway, exactly. right? Exactly, it's just being prepared to have that little bit extra cooked and and taking it with you. So prep is key. Prep right? is key. That's number one. Number um, t- yeah, number two. Number two, make it a priority. If you want to improve your health, it has to be a priority in your life. You have to prioritize some time for it. And it will get easier. It's like a it's like a muscle. If you're going to train, you got to you got to dedicate some time to training it. But then, at the first time it's hard. Second time it's hard. But it gets easier and easier and easier. So mm-hmm. if you prioritize some time to to get that strength muscle of, I'm now saying no to that takeaway, but I'm going to give time to just prepping so I can have that food at, at work where I can you know, I know it's going to be healthier. All of a sudden, it, it turns into a bit of a habit, and it gets yeah. easier and easier. And before you know, you're not it, even thinking about you're it. Not even thinking about it. A, a great tip for me from my one of the, a nutritionist that I worked with when I was first diagnosed with Sjogren's. She said, "What do you have for breakfast?" I said, "Well, I have one of these healthy breakfast bars." She said, "There's no such thing as a healthy breakfast there bar isn't. It's covered in sugar, right?" So I said, "Okay, uh, what do I have?" She went, 
listen, it takes four and a half minutes. Put two eggs in a pan, put it to the boil, go and have your shower, come out, turn it off. Take the two eggs to work. Have two boiled yeah. eggs for breakfast. And and that, from a nutritional perspective, over a sugary breakfast oh. bar, even if it's got nuts and oats in it or whatever it might be. So I made that change. I now yeah. take – I boil two eggs. You can even boil them the night before and have them ready to take yeah, out yeah. in the morning. Eggs are perfect for breakfast, right? right? That's, I eat eggs every day. Yeah. My, my breakfast consists of uh, an avocado, three eggs, some mushrooms and spinach cooked in butter, olive, dressed all in olive oil. That's my breakfast. Now, that gives you a high-fat start to the day. You don't want to eat your carbs at the start of the day. You yeah. want a high-fat meal, which will get your brain. It'll fuel your brain. Your brain's 90% fat. Yeah. It needs it it's needs good fats. It. it needs its it's good butter, like a grass-fed butter, uh, olive oils, even some coconut oil. It feeds your brain. It gets you ready yeah. for the day. Love you know, it. The sugar I is just... It's killer. It's, it's a killer. killer. Spiking you from minute one. So number one is prep. Number two is make it a priority and it com- quickly becomes a habit. Yep. Number three, Mark, with a minute left. <sighs> number three is... Um, I mean, you felt pretty passionate about sugar throughout this. If there was one thing to ditch, is it sugar? I would ditch the bad fats before the before the sugar. Would you? Yeah. Only because your body doesn't know what to do with the bad fats. Your body can metabolize sugar if you're training. You can burn it. But still, I'd get rid of those two so, out of your diet. So bad fats is number three in brackets and sugar. And sugar. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd classify those two um, together. They they uh, um, are cause of, of many, many diseases. Awesome. Together. Mark Minicello, I could talk to you all day long about this, and I'm sure we're going to continue this, this, this discussion offline. We've got 45 seconds left, so I just want to thank you for your time. Um, whenever you do choose to go back home, I hope I can get you back into the Hubcast room before you go, and we'll maybe do another one yes, uh, uh, to think about something we can, we can talk about. But that was really insightful, and you don't have a career like you've had uh, at the top level without taking this seriously and, uh, and looking after yourself. So, Mark, thank you very much. Thanks, John. I appreciate and you having me. You're welcome, mate. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast.